We're continuing our lessons on the Trinity. Today we're continuing on God, the Holy Spirit. Last, last week we talked about the Spirit and that the, it's the Spirit that gives life. And today we're going to look at the Spirit of God working from Matthew through Jesus' ministry to the end of his ministry. Next week I'm planning on doing a practical of how the Holy Spirit practically affects our lives and helps us. Um, when you think about the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit, um, it starts in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And one of the most important things the Holy Spirit ever did is in Matthew one eighteen, And it was at the birth of Jesus because it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that the Holy Spirit was the one who conceived Jesus. And, you know, it had to happen that way because for Jesus to be the Son of God, he had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, I've, I've mentioned we have this discussion with um, part of Mary's family about Christianity and who Jesus is. And he says, you know, if it wasn't for the virgin birth, we wouldn't have so many things that different about us. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, Yeah. And what's the point? I mean, yeah, that is the whole crux. If Jesus wasn't conceived by the Holy Spirit, he would not be the Son of God. And he's just a man like you and me. And as far as I'm concerned, we wouldn't be here. You know, because, no offense, but, you know, I don't want to follow somebody who's just like you and me. You know? And, you know, so, so the whole crux of who Jesus is is right there in the fact that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was the Son of God. So one of, the, one of the first and most important things that the Holy Spirit did in the New Testament was to conceive Jesus, to conceive Jesus. And then uh, if you're ever in a discussion about the Trinity, in Matthew, the third chapter, the 17th verse, it talks about, um, the starting the 16th verse, it talks about Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, all three parts of the Trinity were present and active. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a loud voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So if you kind of see the picture, Jesus is there being baptized by John, and then It says the Spirit of God descends in a form like a dove. Didn't say it descended, you know, didn't say it was a dove, but, you know, we we have pictures of the Holy Spirit. What's our our pictures of the Holy Spirit a lot of times? It's a dove. You know, doves aren't the Holy Spirit, but it says it descended like a dove. It came down upon Jesus. And it says then God spoke. Then the heavens were opened and God spoke. So he had all three parts of the Trinity active at Jesus' baptism. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So we see that, you know, all, all parts of the Trinity were active at Jesus' baptism. They were all there. You know, and, and not just one God, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all active at Jesus' baptism. And the next verse says in, in Matthew 4.1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The next thing we find is that the Spirit of God now leads Jesus 
up into the wilderness. And, you know, we talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, have you ever thought about the Holy Spirit leading you into a position where you were confronted by something, maybe Satan, into a hard part, into a hard situation? You know, here's Jesus. You know, he's just been baptized. You know, I don't think, they must not have had a party. You know, we have baptisms, we have a little party. You know, Jesus got baptized and the Holy Spirit says, come on, we're going to the wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. Preparing him for being tempted by the devil and him being who he was, the Son of God, and, and you know, standing up to Satan at that time. But anyway, but the Spirit of God was active there, leading Jesus. Leading Jesus. He led him into the wilderness. And then we find that throughout Jesus' ministry, he alludes to the Holy Spirit every once in a while. And as he got closer to the end of his ministry, he really started to talk to his disciples about it even more. And we're going to look at some of that this morning about how Jesus started to tell his disciples who the Holy Spirit was and what he was going to do, how he was going to work. And the first scripture is in John 7. In John 7, the seventh, John, John 7, the seventh chapter, the 37th verse, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his very most inner being, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus, he, he stood up at, at this feast, and it says he cried out with a loud voice. You know, he didn't have a amplification. He cried out with a loud voice so everybody could hear him, make sure they heard him. And he says, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds us that periodically he had said, I am the bread of life. You know, I'm, I'll give you life. Come to me and drink. You know, take of me. You know, he's, come, he's, saying to the, he's saying this over and over to say, if you're thirsty. We didn't say, he's not saying, come to me, I'll give you a bottle of water. You know, he's saying, if anyone thirsts, come to me. I'll give you spiritually that you'll never thirst no more. And so he says this. He says, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of your innermost being, out of your heart. You know, where does it come from? You know, I always, you know, it's like, where is that spot? Where is that spot? It says out of our heart. It's not talking about our physical heart. It's talking about our inner being. It's talking about out of our spirit. One, one of the scriptures, one of the verses, translation says out of your innermost being. One of them says out of your belly. Well, it's not your, you know, it's not your stuff, but it's out of that deep inside. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're familiar with that place, but it's, it's that place when something goes maybe not so good or maybe if it goes good, but sometimes things don't go and you kind of get that, oh. <laughs> there's, a, there's a spot that goes, oh, you know? And it's just inside of us. It's deep inside of us. But it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. And it's not in a physical part of us, but it's in our innermost being. It's down inside of us. And he says, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Here's the picture. He says, come, drink of me. Take me in. Well, what do we take in? Remember, we take in the Spirit. You know, God is a Spirit. When Jesus breathes, he breathes Spirit. When we take anything in, we're going to take in 
him, which is his spirit. He says, take me in. And then he says, when I'm in there, he says, then out of you will flow rivers of living water. So the picture is we take him in, he dwells in us, and then out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We take him in spiritually. You know, we take him in through his word. We, we know this is what he said. This is what's true. We take him in spiritually. You know, one of the things about his word, and I think it's very important, you know, sometimes we talk about the word of God, but let me just say that you can't, we shouldn't separate the word of God and the spirit of God. Here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes in the church, we can teach the word of God and people receive it as knowledge. Nothing wrong with that. But you can receive it as information and knowledge and you can fill yourself with information and knowledge about God, the word of God. But until that word of God is quickened with the spirit of God, it's not life to you. There's a difference. There's a difference. You can take in the knowledge and have knowledge of God and know all about him. And unless the spirit of God quickens that inside of you and puts that life to that word, it's just information. It's just information. And, and the difference being that if you run into a hard spot sometime, that life isn't there. It's just information. There's no faith combined with it. You know, nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with studying the Word of God and getting it inside of us. I think it's absolutely necessary. But what I've noticed is, and, and partially my, this is my opinion, okay? This is, this is Ron's opinion. But Ron's opinion is, and I, I, just, I just spent yesterday at uh, the church I was, grew up in, okay? And uh, that's always interesting, you know, going back to your childhood and the church you grew up in. It's, uh, you know, you, you just kind of sit there and think. You know, I, well, at least I did, you know. I, I thought about, well, all the things that have happened, all the things that happened in my childhood and this and that. My observation is this. The church I grew up in was very strong in teaching the Word of God, which I think is utmost importance. Where they, I see where they lacked and fell down was that they never said that the Spirit of God then had to come and ignite that Word of God in me. And it become life to me. They, I received a tremendous amount of information which I'm you know, thankful for, thankful for. But you know the Spirit of God has to has to quicken that inside of me. You know. And and I always remember as a young man growing up, um, I don't know about you, but there's things that people say over the years when you're even when you're young that got inside of me that I I can't forget them. They just don't go away. They don't go away. But I remember standing in the basement of that church and my dad and this a pastor who had he had grew up in the church, then he went out and became a pastor. And he was back for some, I don't know what they were doing back there, but they came back once in a while. And uh, he was back. He and my dad were talking. And this pastor said, he says, and I don't know what the context was, but I remember him saying, he says, that's one thing about us in our church. He says, we don't know a whole lot about that Holy Spirit. He says, we know a lot about Jesus and God, but we don't know a whole lot about that Holy Spirit. We don't really talk about that much. And I, and, but I remember that hearing that and I thought wow 
and I and I think you know that's so true that we have to be careful that you know here's 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 what happens for us I think our young people that grow up in the church New Hope our young people that grow up here we teach them the word of God we teach them the word of God we, and rightly so we teach them we teach them we train them we train them but if we never tell them that it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to quicken that in them and make it alive they're just going to leave here with a lot of information they're going to grow up with a lot of information and at some point in time and and hopefully now it's not bad having that information inside you that's not a negative okay having the word of god inside of you is not a negative because what happens is sometimes as that child grows and they get older something happens in their life and they go oh I remember somebody, some Roger, I'll mention him. Roger McDonald told me this morning that, that how one young girl, as she was an adult, said the most influential person in her life was Roger and Barb, their third grade Sunday school teacher. Why? Because they put the word of God inside of them. And they also saw something different about them. But see, as children grow up, that word of God has to become life. It has to become real to them. It has to get down in our innermost being. And the Spirit of God has to be real. Jesus said, you know, one of the things he says, well, you have to be born again, born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit of God because that's what gives us life. That's what gives life to the Word of God. Otherwise, the Word of God is just information. You know, Again, I, I know my brother-in-law, I, I, he'd probably be proud if I, he knew I talked about him so much. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, he's always coming up with these arguments and this and that. And I'm going, you know, I just don't even want to get into this intellectual discussion about the Word of God. Because until the Spirit of God quickens his heart, it's just an intellectual debate. And I don't know, maybe there's some value to it. Sometimes Mary gets involved with him a little bit. But I'm like, you know... I sh you share and you just know it's not an intellectual debate. You know, at some point in time, it's just a matter that God is real. I always like the story of Elijah, you know. He got in a spiritual debate with some other people, you know, and he just said, you know, let's tell you what. Let's just, let's just get an altar out here and let's just call down fire from heaven. Let's just get this over with. You know, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It's like, you know, all this talk and gibberish, let's just build an altar and get her over with. Yeah, let's just find out what's going on. And then he said, pour water on mine. You know, give me a little extra water. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's that. You know, it's like, otherwise you just kind of get in this debate. And, and you got to be careful about that. But anyway, so the Spirit of God, Jesus is telling his disciples, the Spirit dwells with deepeth in you. And he says, then out of your being is going to flow rivers of living water. And it's going to flow out of you. It comes in, and then it flows out. And then in John 16, in, in John 16, verse 7 to 14. John 16, verse 7 to 14. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage I go away. See, now he's starting to prepare him for the fact he's leaving. And, you know, we don't like to hear that. You know, I don't know about you, but you don't want your parents coming to you saying, hey, I just want you to know, I'm getting older now. We better think about what's going to happen. Like, no, don't talk like that. Isn't that where we go? Don't talk like that. No, you're going to live forever. Well, we are going to live forever. But Jesus is saying, you know, hey, folks, I just want you to get ready because I'm leaving pretty soon. And he says, 
I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. He says, for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe me. Of, because, of righteousness because I go to see my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus says, I'm leaving. I'm going to be leaving, but don't worry. Don't worry. He says, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you. I'm going to leave my spirit with you. Okay? So what's the reality for us, folks? The reality is the same for us. Jesus, when he died on a cross, where did he go? Well, he went, he went down to hell, brought the captives out. He was resurrected from the grave, and then he ascended back to heaven. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And one day he's going to come back and then judge the, the living and the dead. In the meantime, who's with us? The Holy Spirit. He said, I leave my spirit with you. So the Holy Spirit is very important to us. Sometimes my opinion, like that Lutheran pastor that said, well, we don't talk about him much. I don't think we realize how important the Holy Spirit is and how he's the one that's with us now. He's the one that's with us, in us. And so the Holy Spirit becomes very important, very important. It says he's going to be our helper. He's going to help us. He's going to help us. Isn't that wonderful? We got a helper. You know, that we don't have to do it on our own. You know, how many times have you ever thought about doing something and think, oh, I don't know if I can do that? Well, maybe you can't, but we have a helper. We have a helper, somebody to trust. I believe God will give you things to do that take you past your own abilities. Because then we realize that we have a helper. If I never go past my ability, you know what I think? I think I can do it. I can, well, I can do that because I know what my capabilities are. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. I can handle it. But when I get to doing something I don't know and I can't handle, you know what my first thought is? Help. Help. I need help. I need help. Jesus says, we'll send you a helper. He's going to help you do things you can't do. Do things you can't do. He's going to help you beyond your capability. Beyond your natural ability, he's going to help you. He's going to be there for you. So he's our helper. Now, if we think we don't need help, then we probably don't think we need the Holy Spirit. Now, do you know in life there are people in the natural who think, aren't there people, do you, you ever try to help somebody that doesn't need help? Isn't that a trip? <laughs> Here, let me help you. No, I can do it myself. Now, now, Kids growing up get to that point, you know, at about 12, 13, 14, you know. They want to prove themselves. But adults do the same thing. Here, let me help you. No, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can do it. You know, we, we want to prove ourselves or something. We, it's hard to help those people. Well, I believe in the same way that God wants to help us. And sometimes we go, no, I can do it myself. And he goes, well, let me help you. Let me help you. It'll be a lot easier if I help you. Because I'm your helper. He's going to send us help. 
then it, you know, it says in verse 8 that he's going to send somebody, that the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin. Going to convict the world of sin. Well, he has to because we have to come to the place we know we're sinners. If the Holy Spirit doesn't convict us of sin, we're never sinners. If we're never sinners, we don't need a Savior. And we're all okay. That's the biggest issue. That's the one of the, you know, realization that I'm a sinner. I don't care how good I am. I don't care how bad I am. I'm a sinner. We have to be convicted of our sin. And if that doesn't happen, people don't need a Savior. Think about it. You can witness to somebody, but if they don't believe they're a sinner, you can tell them Jesus is their Savior, but what do I need him for? I don't even think I sinned. I don't need a Savior. I, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, sometimes, sometimes for pastors and sometimes for the church, I think there's a, sometimes a fine line maybe, but uh, maybe it's not such a fine line, but sometimes there's directions we can go. One of the directions is, is we're all okay, we're all going to heaven. That, that's, that, you know, that's choices, you know. There's, there's pastors who will, like, hey, we're just all okay, we're all going to heaven. And, and we all feel good, you know. Um, when you die, they'll stand at your graveside and they'll, they'll, they'll say you're in heaven. You know, they'll, they'll proclaim you're in heaven. And it's kind of comforting, I guess, to some extent. But what a false sense of security. What a false sense of security. Because the reality is, we've all sinned and come short. And, and the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. And if he doesn't do that, we don't need a Savior. And until he convicts us of sin, I say people won't, Look for a Savior until the Holy Spirit starts to convict us of sin. And that's, that's one of his jobs. He convicts the world of sin. You know, because they don't believe me. Jesus said, you know, it's, it's, it's just a fact. And then he says, he's going to come and he's going to guide us in all truth. The Holy Spirit is always going to speak what the Word of God says. Now, sometimes when people get into really starting to maybe trust the Spirit and all, there's a danger sometimes they'll kind of in their own way start to think what they think the Spirit says, and they'll start to think they think here things that aren't really from God because maybe they don't know the Word of God. But let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit's never going to tell you anything contrary to the Word of God. Never, ever, ever, ever. That's why it's important we know the Word of God. So we know that if something's speaking to us, we know it's the Holy Spirit because there's all kinds of voices. I've talked about this before. There's God speaks to us. We speak to ourselves. Other people speak to us and Satan speaks to us. There's, there's all kinds of voices out there. So you have to know where's this voice coming from because the Holy Spirit, he's going to speak truth. He's going to speak truth. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. In another place in the Bible, it says, God, let God be true and every man a liar. God is true. Jesus is true. The Holy Spirit's going to speak truth. They're going to they're gonna agree. They're always going to agree. And so we can't, we have to be careful that we start to think that the Spirit of God is going to tell us something contrary to the Word of God. That, well, I think 
God said this. Well, no, his word says this. It can't be true. It can't be true. Because he's going to speak truth. Verse 14 says, and the Holy Spirit is always going to glorify Jesus. He's always going to glorify Jesus. He's always going to glorify Jesus to his position as the Son of God. He is going to worship Jesus and him alone. Nobody else. He's never going to elevate a person or angels or any being to the position of being equal to the Son of God. Never going to happen. He's going to glorify Jesus for who he is. He is the Son of God. And he's, he's always going to do that. It's, it's I don't know, what can I say? He can't help himself. You know, that's who he is. That's who he is, and that's what he's going to do. He's always going to glorify Jesus and who he is. He's not going to elevate people or beings, angels, or people who we want to make equal to God. And we have to be very careful about that. And then we find Jesus, the very last thing he tells his disciples, the very last thing, and we're going to look in Acts, the first chapter. In Acts, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. <clears throat> the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. What do we see? Jesus gave commandments. What do he... he told his disciples over and over and over, this is what I want you to do. This is who I am. This is, and he taught them. He trained them. He just constantly was doing that. Through the Holy Spirit, he had given commandments to the disciples who he had chosen. He did it through the Spirit. To whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings to many infallible proofs. In other words, after Jesus died on the cross, he presented himself alive by many unfallible truths, being seen by them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So the 40 days after Jesus died and rose until he ascended into heaven, he kept teaching and speaking to the disciples. He just kept teaching and speaking to them, teaching and speaking to them. I believe it says in one place that he's, he, he met with over 500 people in that time. You know, and he kept teaching them and reminding them of, what they were supposed to do. And then it says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. He says, he says stay in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father that I told you about, remember? I told you I'm going to leave and I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you my spirit to help you, be with you. He says, wait here for that promise. And then he says in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water. Remember, John the Baptist baptized with water. Jesus, Jesus was baptized a baptism of repentance with water. But he says, But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He says, John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What does that word mean? Baptize. I, I did some looking up and you know, there's just all kinds of definitions of baptism. I don't know if you were aware of that. There's all kinds of them. Um, I'm not going to go into all of them. 
I'll tell you the one that, that is referred to here, okay? The one referred to here is overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. You're going to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. Um, some call it an outpouring. Overwhelmed. He says you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Something's going to happen. And therefore, when he had, they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And, you know, they're like, okay, is this when we all get to take over? That you get rid of those Romans, get, kick them out of here, and we get a new government? Isn't that funny? I mean, you know, they're, they're still kind of out there. Oh, aren't we like that sometimes? Aren't we like that sometimes? Maybe every four years? <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but every four years, don't we kind of think, well, Lord, is this the time when you're going to restore the United States the way we think it ought to be? <laughs> you know, but that's what they were thinking. They go, well, is this when you're going to restore Israel? And he said, well, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He says, well, you know what? It's not for you to know. Sorry about that. But you can ask, but it's not for you to know. But then he says, he goes back, but, kind of like, now, did I just get done telling you something and you guys are already talking about, are you going to restore Israel? Did you guys hear me the first time? Now, that's kind of what he's saying. But, but he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, just stay here. And he says, something's going to happen. You're going to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're going to receive power to do what I told you to do. To receive power. Because he says, you don't have the power in yourselves to go do what I'm asking you to do. You don't have it in you. You don't have it in you. And if you think you got it in you, then you really don't need me. Think about it. If you think you can do it, then you really don't need me. But he says, you need help. You need help. And he says, and I'm going to give you power to do it. And he says, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Twelve guys, eleven guys. Eleven guys sitting around a table, or sitting in a room. And Jesus says, and you're going to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. I would have had a question at that point, probably. Like, really? How's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? Well, it'd take a lot more than just 11. And besides, we're kind of a motley crew. We're kind of a mixed mash of this and that. And You know, I don't, wow. But Jesus says, you know what? You're going to get power to do it because my spirit's going to give you the power to do it. You're not going to do it on your own. Next week, we're going to look at practical application of how that happens. How that happens. I, I tend to be a very practical guy sometimes. I don't know. Most of the time, I think. Hard to analyze yourself, but anyway. Um, but, you know, I'm like, okay, how's this happen? How's this, how does this carry out? What does that mean to us? What does that mean to us? If he gives us power to do something, what's it look like? How does it happen? What takes place? Another time in the New Testament, Jesus says, 
if you want the Holy Spirit, he says, you know what? This is really tough. He says, just ask. Just ask. He's not like wanting to keep it to himself and not wanting to give it to us. He says, just ask. He says, just ask and I will give it. He says, my goodness, he says, what father among you, if, if one of your kids asked you for a, a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? You know, what, I mean, what earthly father would do that? Now, you might find one once in a while that just kind of is out there. But, you know, basically, what earthly father would, would ever give his kid a stone if he asked for a piece of bread? And so Jesus says, much more, why can't you believe your heavenly father would give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? I, you know, we make it way too difficult. We make it way too difficult, especially adults. I'm just telling you right up front, children, they'll go, if I tell this to children, you know what children will say? Okay. Children, children will go, oh, yeah, that's something. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Why not? Yeah. If I tell that to adults, you know what they go? Well, I don't know. You know, life has been, this is, you know, it's kind of, that's the, that's the difference, folks. I'm just telling you. That's why Jesus says, if you want to come to me, be like little children. Be like little children. And just ask and receive. That's what he said. So, so I just want to encourage you, you know. Um, we're going to have a prayer team up here to pray for you. Pray for you. You can ask, receive. You, you don't have to come to them, you know. You can ask on your own. Sometimes, you know, you can ask and people help you, pray with you. Sometimes you ask on your own. I don't, I have no preference. I have no preference. But I pray that we ask. We ask. We ask and receive. How do we receive things spiritually? We receive them by faith. By faith. Not by, not by evidence of what we see, but by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. If you ask, you receive by faith. If you ask, you have it. You have it. It's yours. It's yours. If we ask, it's ours by faith. That's how we receive. So, you know, my prayer, and you know, this is a feeling that I have. I think it's going to become more and more important in the days ahead. It's just, this this is a feeling I have. That we need help. We need help. I think we're probably going to need more help. But I think we need help. We need God's help. We need his spirit. Giving us everything we can have from him to help us to do what he's called us to do. To give us power. Not just to be witnesses, which I think that's probably number one. But it's also just to live our own life. Just to live our own lives and the things that come against us and, and come at us sometimes. We need help. We need help. And God's provided all the help. He's already provided. It's our, you know, he's, there's nothing more he can do. He, you know, it's like you do everything and then you say, well, just ask. Because I've done it all. It's there. Now you just ask. So let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just, we just thank you that, Lord, you love us so much. The Lord, you didn't leave us here alone. The Lord, you left us with your spirit. And that spirit dwells within us. He's not afar off, 
but he can dwell within us, Lord, but we have to ask. So, Lord, I just pray that you just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to, to ask. Lord, help us to yearn, to long for, to desire your spirit to dwell within us so that, Lord, we might have power, we might have help to do what you called us to do. It doesn't make us better. It just make us, makes us equipped, equipped to do your will. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if anyone would like someone to encourage them or pray with them this morning, you'd encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pray with them. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us. Lord, as we go forth, Lord, help us to go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, we are not defeated, for we are victorious because of what you've done for us. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.